Well, first, my thanks to Chris for what he said about um, sharing news, because um, nothing akin to what he said there is anything I've got to say this evening, so <laughs> thank you for that. <clears throat> if you'd like to open your Bibles to the passage that Nick read to us, um, we're looking at this section from uh, chapter 2 and on through chapter 13 under a heading of sharing news. <clears throat> We live, don't we, in a, a world where we're absolutely bombarded with news uh, day by day on all fronts, TV, radio, uh, the web, text alerts, news text alerts, I don't know why I get those, I don't have asked for them, but I get them, perhaps someone can tell me how to get rid of them, um, <laughs> but we're bombarded with news, and sometimes we probably ask ourselves, well, is that really news, did I really need to know that? Well, as important as it is that we... Uh, we do follow what's going on in the world, important and interesting events. Um, probably the news that really energises and perhaps excites us the most, that's most important to us, is news about our family. That's the news we want to hear, family news, uh, particularly if there's separation in the family, whether you're parents or children, the other end of the country, the other end of a motorway, or divided by the seas. We want to hear news. It's important to us. And it's no different in church family. We want news of uh, believers, brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it's local or whether it's further afield. Getting news is particularly important to us. And so we're going to be looking at sharing news tonight and asking ourselves some questions as we look at the church at Thessalonica and Paul's relationship with them, asking questions of ourselves. So our first, uh, as we come to uh, look at this first um, last few verses of chapter 17, we see that there are relationships <coughs> that do warrant news. I'll just read those verses to us again, 17 through to 20, the end of chapter 2. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, <clears throat> because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. If you are here last week when, when Chris was um, speaking from chapter 2, uh, it was addressing uh, what was the what was behind genuine and fruitful gospel mission. Uh, one of the points noted was was sharing life, and not just language. And in doing that, in the very short time that Paul was in Thessalonica, uh, the believers there had become very dear to him. If you want to just look back at chapter two and verse eight? We we read these words. So being very being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you. Not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. We just delve into this, this relationship that Paul has with them, because <clears throat> last week also we were thinking about uh, the parent-child relationship. In verse uh, 8 of chapter 2, we read this. Um, Sorry, verse 7. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Great tenderness there between Paul 
and the Thessalonian believers. And Paul also talks to himself elsewhere about being a spiritual father to, to believers. He uses that term when he writes to the Corinthians. I've not um, put that text on the back of the notice sheet. I apologise for that. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, um, and verses 15 through 17, Paul writes this. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ, uh, in, in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you to be imitators of me. And that is why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in the church. A little reference to Timothy there. We're going to catch up with him a little bit later in our passage. Now, if you're here for the first study when, um, when Richard was preaching, he was um, made reference to the fact we can find out about the, the issues that... Um, in Thessalonica, when we look at Acts 17, uh, we read of Paul's coming there uh, from Philippi. Only there a few weeks, preaching in the synagogue, and then the Jews stirring up all manner of trouble, the rabble, uh, a bit of a riot. And Paul was sent away with his friends in a hurry. Um, they ushered him out quickly, and he went to Berea. And so we, we have this, this sense of uh, a wrench of, of being sent away when he didn't want to be sent away. Let me read verse 17 again to you. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in part, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. What a wrench. The, the NIV, the, the latest NIV, uh, uses a, a phrase, not torn away, but, um, but, but being orphaned, orphaned. You've got this... Um, parent-child relationship and you can imagine losing your child and this is how Paul was, was feeling in this situation we can appreciate then something of this very great longing that he has for them that he expresses here in, in these verses but although he's no longer with them physically he's nevertheless bounded to them so tightly that they're, they're always on his mind he says we're not in person but uh, we're not there in person uh, but we are in heart. He's not separated from them in his thoughts. <clears throat> We're going to sing when we uh, when we close our, our service this evening from the lovely hymn, Blessed Be the Tie That Binds. Uh, and the hymn writer there expresses it this way, when we are called to part, it gives us inward pain, but we shall still be joined in heart and know we'll meet again. It seems that that hymn writer there certainly concurred with Paul's feelings expressed in this passage here. And although Paul's not there, it's, it's not just a, a vague wishing he was there. Um, oh yeah, I wish I was there. No, he's, he's making a genuine effort to try and get back to them. He says, uh, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you. He's not just, um, okay, it, it is what it is, as some people sometimes say. He's not uh, satisfied with that. He is genuinely trying to get back to them. But he says, verse 18, Satan hindered us. Satan blocked our way. Well, <clears throat> just how we don't know. The scriptures don't tell us. Um, we have no insight into that. Um, but of course we do know, don't we? We have to acknowledge that, that Satan will oppose the growth and development of God's church. And in this case, a very fledgling church uh, in Thessalonica, and uh, 
However that may be, we do need to keep remembering uh, that God, um, he's, he cannot thwart God's plans and purposes and he won't thwart God's plans and purposes for the Thessalonian believers. <clears throat> well then let's try and understand a little bit more about this, this relationship um, that Paul has with the Thessalonians. Let me read verse 19 here. He says, For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus that is coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Paul has preached the gospel to these believers and they had believed and that had made them very special to Paul. I'm sure we all perhaps feel a very special relationship to the uh, perhaps the pastor or, or friend who's helped us come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I can imagine that Paul, when he was received into to glory, he had that well done, good and, and faithful servant. Well, that was because of all those who'd come to faith as he's preached the gospel throughout his life. You know, elsewhere when he writes, you know, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Well, I wonder if there's an allusion here to not just the crown of righteousness that God's going to give him, but some of a, 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 a glory wreath um, for, for, for all that he's done. He talk, talks about this, this glory wreath, this crown of boasting. Um, not for his own pride and honour, but it's as though, you know, we talk about getting jewels in our crowns as we, as we serve the Lord. We, uh, and here maybe this is alluding to something like that. A, a special commendation for Paul for his great work and ministry. He sees these believers as his, his, his crown of boasting, his glory wreath. You know, he, he says the same about other believers too. Uh, he says that about the Philippians um, in the opening chapter, sorry, in the closing chapter of Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 1. Um, he writes this, Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord. Um, my joy and crown, that's how he sees those whom he loves in the Lord Jesus, those whom he's brought, uh, helped to, to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus. So we're thinking about, well, relationships that warrant news. These were certainly relationships that warranted news. Paul wanted news from uh, the Thessalonian believers. He's torn away from them. He's anxious about them. And I suppose the question I ask of us all this evening is, have we got relationships like this? Have you got a spiritual father or mother like Paul? Are you a spiritual father or mother to someone else? Is your love for one another as strong and as emotional as, as Paul's is for the Thessalonian believers? And perhaps if you haven't got one of these spiritual parent-child relationships uh, such as Paul has here, Nevertheless, I'm sure we've all got strong, bonded, caring uh, relationships with other believers. Um, friends from past, friends that are scattered away that we're separated from, but equally, how much more so in, in the church, the local church of, uh, of God's people, of whom we're part here in Bethel. So if, as Paul urges the Thessalonians to be imitators of him in every aspect of following Christ... <coughs> then surely we should be cultivating these, these deep, caring relationships. Relationships that warrant keeping in contact, warrant a transference of news between each other 
um, from time to time. And not just about the trivia, but about the important things, about one another's spiritual welfare, how important that is. So maybe this week, think about contacting someone, keeping up those special relationships um, with old friends, but especially keeping up those relationships we have as believers in God's church here. So there are relationships that warrant news, not necessarily separating ones, the ones in the local church too. But then we find here, for Paul certainly, the anxiety of having no news, uh, verses 1 to 5 of chapter 3. <clears throat> Let me just read those. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labour would be in vain. You probably know the maxim, no news is good news. Um, that's one certainly we used to follow in our house when people had gone off, uh, gone home on long journeys or, or none of this. Um, sorry, there's no criticism of people that do this. You know, you, when, when you get there, give us two rings on the phone so we know you got home safe. Uh, um, our, our sort of uh, basis was, well, you know, the policeman will soon be on the door if there's been something dreadful. So, no, you know, so no news was good news. But here it's not. No, you, no news is not good news. No news is bad news. Verse 1 uh, here. It's Paul here, look. He, when I could bear it no longer. He says, says that again uh, in verse 5. When I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith. <clears throat> you can imagine Paul, can't you, lying in his bed, uh, tossing about, um, worrying about them, lo- losing his sleep. He's, he's anxious. Why? Well, these are young believers. They've not been long following in the steps of Jesus and so easily could they have abandoned their faith under the trials they were suffering, under the the persecutions the problems that they were experiencing now previously, earlier in in, in his letter, he's commended them for their faith uh, that it had rung out, not just in Macedonia but uh, elsewhere, he talks about um, gone forth everywhere it seems as though that their faith was very vibrant. Um, it was encouraging to, to know about it. Um, but then he's also exhorted them, as, as you, you would have heard last week from Chris, um, in verse 12 of chapter 2, we exhorted each one of you, charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and glory. It seems that their faith was, was, was good, and yet so easily it could have been turned, turned aside. Um, the, through the afflictions that they were they were enduring from their their fellows, their peers in Thessalonica. So Timothy is dispatched by Paul to uh, get some news. You can see how they're holding up. You can imagine. I think we read earlier about uh, Timothy going to the Corinthians um, and getting news and to encourage them and exhort the. Corinthian believers in their faith 
And you can imagine a, a such similar situation here, you know. Timothy, uh, on your donkey. Uh, where am I going this time, Paul? Well, yeah, I want you to go off back to Thessalonica, please, to um, encourage the believers there. And so Timothy is, is dispatched to find out. Uh, he's sent to encourage them because <clears throat> uh, they will have been under pressure. Uh, they were suffering the trials and they've been told about that. Um, verse 4, For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that you were to suffer affliction, just as it's come to pass and just as you, you know. So you weren't caught unawares by that. And it reminds me of Jesus uh, telling his disciples beforehand um, you know, that the world would hate them uh, because it hated him. Uh, they would suffer persecu- persecution, the servants not greater than his master. Um, and Jesus, after having said those things to his disciples, he says, I'm telling you these things um, so uh, to keep you from falling away, is, is, is how it's written in John's Gospel. I'm telling you these things to keep you from falling away. It's as though Paul has, has followed in Jesus' steps there. He's told them beforehand about these things so that they'll be kept from falling away. They won't suddenly be derailed because of the problems that have beset them. But Paul is anxious for them and he sends Timothy um, because he's anxious that the tempter, um, <coughs> verse 5, he says, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labour had not been, had, had been in vain. Um, it's worth remembering, isn't it, all of us, each day of our lives. Um, the tempter, Satan, he is very active and he's wanting to discourage believers. It's true for any one of us here tonight. We could be uh, tempted in ways which are um, perhaps beyond imagination. And I think of the scripture that says, let him who thinks that he stands take heed, uh, lest he fall. And so, as we think about Paul's anxiety here, for these believers that are so precious to him. A question to us all tonight is, well, are, are we concerned enough about our Christian friends that we're genuinely anxious about them as to how they're walking with, with the Lord, how they're going on in their faith? Do we make attempts to find out? Now, it's very different for Paul, of course. Uh, in his uh, time, communications were not brilliant. But we're without excuse, aren't we, considering the many ways of communications available to us today. And whilst we might think of that on a broader scale to people that are scattered far and wide, family, friends, um, within the Fellowship of Bethel, we're certainly without excuse. Uh, and we should be, uh, I say anxious, but we should be concerned about each other's spiritual welfare. And we should be attempting to find out uh, how they how one another are, are, are doing. So, the anxiety of no news. Moving on. The joy and motivation of good news. Uh, Timothy has come back to Paul. Um, this is verses 6 through to uh, 10. Paul has come back from... Uh, sorry, Timothy has come back to Paul. Uh, and wow, uh, and Paul needn't have been uh, worried, need he, um, from what we read here. Well, in fact, well, Paul had every right to be concerned. Um, but this is what we read in verse 6. Now, but now that Timothy has come back to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love 
and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. Uh, now, <coughs> this report, uh, it's not just pleasantries. Oh, well, yeah, we miss you too, Paul. I know you miss us, but we miss you too. It's not just those pleasantries. He's brought us good news, verse 6, of your faith and love. Uh, of how how their faith is standing firm, how, the, how they're standing up in the present trials and problems. And uh, so he's, he's encouraged by that. It's the same uh, idea expressed here that, that Paul uh, expresses when he writes to the Philippians. If I turn back to um, Philippians chapter 1, at the end of that chapter, uh, <coughs> we, we read... <coughs> Uh, Paul's exhortation to the Philippian believers. And he says this, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you, or am absent, I may hear of you, that you're standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God whether Paul's present or absent this this desire to hear this good news of them standing firm <coughs> excuse me so we have the Thessalonian believers here proving um, proving God's enabling and, and, and strength that the, the truths that we sang in, in that hymn about how firm a foundation you know passing through um, the, the, the fiery trials or in the deep waters, their faith still being firmly founded and them standing firm in the Lord. I mean, Paul had earlier, didn't he, right, right at the start of this letter, he'd, he talks about them as being um, uh, loved by God and chosen in him. Uh, we sang that lovely song at the start of uh, our service, you know, love before the dawn of time, chosen by my maker. I wonder if the Thessalonian believers were, were there standing firm, singing this kind of salvation song, uh, rejoicing in, in their God, um, irrespective of the trials they were passing through. So what is the result of Paul receiving this good news? <clears throat> well, um, verses 7 through to 10, I think there are, there are three things uh, we find uh, for Paul, the result is, is comfort, uh, there is joy, uh, and there is motivation. That word's not actually used, but we'll, we'll see what we mean by that. Uh, firstly, there's comfort. Uh, verse 7, Paul says, For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, uh, we have been comforted about you through your faith. Comfort for troubled minds and hearts. Uh, all the anxiety removed, a great sense of relief. Um, he'd been anxious but now he's had good news he's comforted uh, about the news of their faith and then joy in, uh, great joy in, and rejoicing joy for their sake before God verse 9 for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel uh, for your sake before God because their faith is strong and they're standing firm in the Lord, uh, Paul is rejoicing in, in that fact. <clears throat> but there's motivation too. Uh, verse 8, Paul says this, <clears throat> for, for now we live, 
if you if you are standing fast in the Lord. Um, so it's probably not as strong a rendering as it as it can be. Um, now we really live is, is the essence of what uh, what is said here. It's as though there's this great motivation for Paul now um, because of what he's heard. <clears throat> you can imagine Paul bouncing off the walls with, with, with enthusiasm and joy. Well, perhaps you can't imagine Paul doing that sort of thing. Um, but nevertheless, he's, he's energised and animated uh, in his own life, in his own ministry, um, on account of what he said. For now, we really live. I don't know if you noticed the words we sang, uh, the last verse of the song uh, we sang before uh, I came to stand up here to speak. <clears throat> These words, I'll read them to you. Our lives like coals placed side by side <clears throat> to feed each other's flame shall with the Spirit's breath provide a blaze of faith to claim. It's as though Paul and the Thessalonian believers are like two coals together that are now burning better because of uh, what what they know about one another and, and uh, it's kind of helping them to become a, a greater energy, a greater force for, for proclaiming uh, the good news of Jesus. <clears throat> so I ask uh, us all this evening, well, are our Christian lives dull for want of sharing news? Are we not really living, as Paul says here, because well, we're just not that bothered about other people and we're not those coals side by side that are really sharing news uh, and so energising uh, one another. I wonder if you do ever speak to to old friends. Uh, I have a feel a bit concerned about this. I have a good a good friend from my university days who was a great help to me when I was a young believer, and I don't keep up with him as much as I ought. Probably once a year, um, but when we do speak and I and I talk to him and we ask about people we know from the past, um, one of the things he always, he always says about they're still in the race. And I always get excited when I hear that, um, that you know, someone's not fallen away. God has uh, kept them by his power and they're still in the race. There's good news. And I ask each one of us tonight, well, are you and I good news? Um, do we share that with others for their joy and their motivation? If someone was speaking about us to someone else, would it be good news? Or would it be bad news? Well, what if it was bad news? It still needs to be shared. Because <clears throat> without it, um, well, our friends can't be praying for us. They can't be helping us. They can't be uh, really attending to the care of our souls in, in the way that we, we would need. So are you good news? Are you bad news? And for Paul, it's a motivation, I talk about really, really living, but for two specific things, I think, from uh, looking at these verses, <clears throat> uh, chapter 9, uh, sorry, verse 9, first, thanksgiving, mentioned in verse 9, thanksgiving, it, it says, uh, for what thanksgiving can we return to you for God? It's as though, well, words aren't going to be enough to express how thankful we are to God for what he's done and he's doing for you. Um, it's, it's, it's boundless for what thanksgiving can we give and then also um, prayer it's a motivation to prayer 
He says, as we pray, verse 10, pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. He's praying for the opportunity to be with them again and minister to them. He wants to teach them. He wants to build them up in their faith. They're still very young believers. Um, we, we, we read, doesn't it, back at the start, he, he talks about um, always, constantly, chapter 1, verse 2, constantly mentioning them in our prayers. Here's, here's Paul, is motivated to keep on praying for these young believers. <clears throat> so as we share news, we should be filled with thankfulness to God for one another's faithfulness. And we should be praying for those opportunities to be together, to build one another up in our faith and knowledge of God. <clears throat> well then, finally, a um, bit of a, a, a squeeze to, to find a, a phrase here to describe what's going on here, but I, I've called it a, a prayer for, for future news. Um, I'll put a chat on a log praying there. I know there are, there are people in this room who, who love to pray outdoors if they get an opportunity. Um, I won't identify them, but uh, it can be... Uh, an inspiration to be praying outdoors rather than going into our closet and shutting the door. Um, but yes, praying for <coughs> for some future news. Let me just read verses 11 to 13. <clears throat> now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you. And may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus, with all his saints. This a relationship that Paul has with these uh, young Thessalonian believers is uh, where prayerful concern is the top priority. He's been praying constantly, he's praying earnestly. He repeats now again a desire for God to first open a way for them to to be together face to face, verse 11, to have that, that separation uh, re- re- restored, they're coming together. But he's praying specifically for their spiritual growth and development, verses 12 and 13. He's praying for them to increase and abound in love uh, for one another and for all. Um, love, that uh, characteristic that should be evident for all believers in all believers, for the, the incalculable testimony that's going to be to the world and, and the effect it's going to have on people around us. And see how these Christians love one another. And it reminds us again that as believers we are meant to be uh, functioning as a body, uh, serving and helping one another. We can't just drift off and pursue our Christian life on our own, walk in splendid isolation. And, and find a place of anonymity. That's not as what intended, because God has intended for us as, as, as believers together. He says, make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. Paul's, he says, as we do for you. Now, Paul's love for them abounds. He didn't really need to say that, I don't think. Um, having expressed all that's gone before, it's quite evident just how much he does love them. But he says, yeah... Uh, we want your love to increase for one another as, as, as ours abounds for you. But there's a result uh, pending to that. 
There's a so that in verse 13. Uh, the abounding love that's increasing is to lead them somewhere. <coughs> and it's a progression towards uh, holiness, <coughs> towards blameless hearts. There can be no accusations against them. And uh, <coughs> we're reminded as we, we think about that coming of our Lord Jesus, there is a day coming when we will be presented uh, blameless, faultless, with exceeding joy before the Father's throne. We'll be absolutely perfect in holiness. And that's the objective, the final outcome uh, of this prayer. But until then, I see Paul praying this so that he may receive news that they are progressing on that path. He's praying for um, future news that they are still going forward in, the, in, their, in their faith. <coughs> and what a joy that would be to get news like that. It's the Holy Spirit's at work in them, making them more Christ-like. We were thinking about that this week, weren't we, in our life groups, Holy Spirit um, changing us. So what a prayer to be praying. <clears throat> Sometimes we use Paul's prayers, don't we, that he writes to uh, in the letters as, as encouragements to be praying for one another. Well, here's a prayer to be praying for one another, um, for in our church, for our Christian friends, with our love. Uh, will increase and abound um, more and more. So, as we think about sharing news and the implications of that, and my prayer is that God will be at work in each of us, that we will be a people sharing joyful and motivating news, uh, strictly to our friends when they ask about us, to equally, but equally to those who are, are making every, every effort to care uh, for us too. So, as we go into this week, let's be uh, seeking to do that. Share in news um, for our encouragement and development and growth and more Christ-likeness. Well, may God help us to do that. Uh, we're going to sing now uh, in, in closing uh, the lovely song, Bless Be the Tie That Binds Our, our Hearts in Christian Love. Um, the Fellowship of Kindred Minds is like to that above. There is a very special union between uh, Christian brothers and sisters. And uh, whilst it thinks about the tearing apart and the pain that's felt, the final verse is from sorrow, toil and pain and sin we shall be free. Yes, it's this perfect holiness, this blameless um, condition. From sin we shall be free and perfect love and friendship reign through all eternity. The great end goal that we have as God's people.